Okay, I think we will get started. Uh, has everybody got one of these half sheets for surveys? Yes, cool. Okay, um, these will be anonymous. Um, so, uh, my name is Greta. For those of you who might be new today, um, this class is um, teaching through C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, where he set out to explain to Britain during World War II what Christianity was all about. Um, so we've been uh, teaching our way through it, book one. Um, C.S. Lewis makes the point that everyone all over the world throughout history has a conscience. We have a sense of right and wrong. Uh, the fact that all people throughout all history seem to have that indicates that that was uh, given to us by some sort of a divine source. Um, he addresses some of the other possible arguments, uh, like evolution, the herd instinct. He kind of uh, explains how those would not be uh, the source of the moral law. And then last week, uh, we got into um, this idea we have cause to be uneasy. The fact that we don't consistently obey the moral law indicates that we have put ourselves in the wrong with this divine power. And because the moral law is so hard, because we feel it pressing on us when we do wrong, that indicates that this is an absolute goodness that we have somehow put ourselves in the wrong with. Okay, so this should make us feel concerned because this, this apparently indicates we are in the wrong with this divine power. That's going to set us up for needing a savior, which is kind of where C.S. Lewis is going. So now book two, he gets into more of the specific theological beliefs of Christianity. And today we're going to be talking about um, what, uh, like basically, this, like where does evil come from? And what we're, we're going to talk about today. Um, so... Before we get started, we're just going to go around and introduce ourselves. This is going to be a discussion class. We're going to talk to one another, so it's helpful to know each other a little bit. So, um, once again, my name is Greta, and Zan, can I start with you up here? We're just going to go around the room. I'm Zan. Zan. Vanessa. I'm Vanessa. <laughs> I'm the T. Why you call me T? T. <laughs> Lee. Lee. Pauline. Pauline. John. John. Bree, Robert, Kathy, Susie, Grace, Kate, Hi Valerie, Julie, Monique, Anne, Ogar, Judy, and Yale. Cool. Okay, and once again, we're going to do our commitment. Every every week we go over this again, okay? Because uh, every week we have a new discussion and it's good to remember this stuff. So we commit to understand that people will have different opinions and respect them. We commit to um, share your opinions and ideas. Please, please be moved to speak up, risk speaking up. Um, allow others to share their opinions and ideas. Don't, don't kind of hog all the airtime for yourself. Let's hear from one another. And we're gonna respect the pause. If there's some dead silence, that's okay, okay? Bottom line, engage respectfully. Can we all commit to that? Great, okay. So we're gonna get into our statements. Um, the first one, we've got a first sort of personal survey question, and I'll explain when we're getting to that in a bit. Okay, so statement one, you're gonna indicate anonymously on this little half sheet where you stand, just using a check mark or an X. 
Do you agree or disagree with this statement? I am somewhat familiar with the doctrines of free will and predestination. C.S. Lewis is going to talk a lot about free will today. Um, yes, yeah, I think you're right. Um, it became it became this concept in my head, and I just pushed it together. Statement two. Uh, again, speak for yourself. I am interested in discussing free will and predestination further, even if it means drifting from C.S. Lewis's chapter for a bit. Okay. And once again, your your answers are anonymous. Nobody will know what you said. So speak honestly. Okay. This is an issue that. Um, <laughs> It's a bit of a can of worms, <laughs> so I'm ready to go there. Okay, we can go there, but if there isn't a genuine interest to go there, we can kind of skip it. Okay. People have been burned at the stake. Well, we won't do that today. That's why we're keeping things anonymous. Okay. Uh, all right. Now we're getting back into more of the philosophical stuff. Okay, Stephen three. Do you agree or disagree? Everything that happens in this world is aligned with God's will. Okay? If a hurricane happens, that's God's will. If cancer happens, that's God's will. If people sin, it's God's will. Okay, statement four. Some things happen in this world which are quite definitely against God's will. Okay, statement five. God created humans with free will, meaning creatures which can go either wrong or right. Okay, free will, now it's better, Colleen. Um, Though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness, or joy worth having. And he follows this up with saying, can you imagine a robot loving freely? Would that be love worth having if a robot was sort of programmed to show up? Okay, oops, wrong way. Uh, statement seven. The negative issues caused by lots of examples. Money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, slavery, etc. have all come about from humans trying to find something other than God which will make them happy. Uh, statement eight, God designed the human machine to run on himself. <laughs> <laughs> that was just for humor, right? That's that was just for humor. <laughs> no, this is a this is a genuine statement by Caesar. Really? We are we are dis- he says okay. before I say what C.S. Lewis says, you should answer for yourself. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Are human beings designed to quote unquote run on God? Oh, 
last one. Since Jesus claimed to be able to forgive sins, any sins, he cannot be just a great moral teacher. He would have to be classified as a lunatic, a devil, or the Son of God. Once you're done, you can kind of start passing this to the center. Oh, look, Susie, Susie, thank you. Susie's already on it. Stuff them all Oh, thank you so much. Okay, then we're going to, I want to get a sense of the answers to the first two before we get into the lecture. So we might decide we just kind of want to skip certain slides, but again, they're there. Okay, so I'm going to send them back to you. It's okay if you accidentally get yourself, get your own back. Just don't tell anyone. Nobody will know. <laughs> okay. I just feel compelled to announce. I got my own. Just <laughs> what if you get yours back and don't agree with it? <laughs> Well, that's a conversation you need to have with yourself. I get to live with this all Okay, so this is where we ended last week. Okay? Uh, this is where we ended last week. So the reason that Christianity says the devil is a fallen angel, remember we talked about how evil is a parasite, not an original thing. Basically, everything that we can point to in the world, which is bad, we say that it's bad because it is somehow deviated from what it was supposed to be, okay? There isn't anything that is originally or inherent evil. It's evil or it's bad because it is pursuing something good in the wrong way, okay? Um, Christianity agrees with this belief dualism that the universe is at war between good and evil, but it does not think this is a war between independent powers, okay? We said that evil is actually subordinate to good okay if you've got um if you if you're able to say this is good this is bad you're actually measuring them both by a higher standard and saying this good one actually more closely prescribes to what is truly right that indicates there's something above them both which is the true god therefore evil is actually subordinate we say that it's it's kind of living in the good the good powers world okay that's that's what we say about about satan um, it is a civil war, a rebellion, and remember this, we are living in enemy-occupied territory. When we go to church, we're hearing the secret messages from the other side. We're spies in the devil's world, but we are listening to the true king, okay? Makes me feel awesome and subversive. Okay, so now we get into uh, book two, chapter three, the shocking alternative. Okay, so it says that... Uh, Christians then believe that an evil power has made himself for the present the prince of this world. Okay, that's Satan. And of course, that raises problems. Is this state of affairs in accordance with God's will or not? If it is, he's a strange guy, you will say. But if it is not, how can anything happen contrary to the will of a being with absolute power? Okay, that's problematic, right? Kind of a conundrum. Well, the answer is this. I love this. With kind of a mother's analogy. Okay, 
He says, anyone who's been in authority knows how a thing can be in accordance with your will in one way and not in the other. It might be quite sensible for a mother to say to the children, I'm not going to go and make you tidy the schoolroom every night. You've got to learn to keep it tidy on your own, right? Uh, that is my will for you to be neat and tidy, okay? Um, and what, what does the kid do, right? Uh, so she comes in uh, to, the, to the nursery. She finds the teddy bear and the ink and the French grammar lying in the grate. That is against her will. She would prefer the children to be tidy. But on the other hand, it is her will which has left the children free to be untidy. Okay? Um, so the same thing arises in any regiment or trade union or school. You make a thing voluntary. Half the people don't do it. This is not what you willed, but your will has made it possible. Okay? There's a, there are some... Fancy theological terms for this, okay? Which thinks the, because I'm married to a pastor, he volunteers all of these theological terms for my class. <laughs> Pretty great. I was getting into the book of confessions last night. Wow. I know. I know. I'm kind of impressed by it. Because Jeff was like, you know, there's something in the second Helvetical confession. That you should check out. And I was like, all right, I'll look at it. I was like, no, this is really helpful, actually. Okay, so the preceptive will, this is about God's precepts, okay? This is what he commands, what he desires, his intention for us. I think life will go best for you if you keep your room clean, okay? You'll have more fun if it's clean. This is what I will, okay? But then there is his decreative will, okay? This is like God's decrees, the decrees of God's eternal purpose, whereby he foreordains whatever comes to pass, for his own glory, okay? So this is the idea that God allows some things to happen which may go against his preceptive will because he knows he can work good out of that thing, okay? Um, Adam and Eve eating the apple came to pass. It went against his preceptive will, but he has worked it for his glory throughout the course of history, okay? Okay, so then he gets into this point. He states very simply, uh, God created things which have free will. That means creatures which can go either wrong or right. Some people think they can imagine a creature which was free, but had no possibility of going wrong. I cannot. If a thing is free to be good, it is also free to be bad. Free will is what has made evil possible. Okay, so let's do a quick poll um, and go to the first question. Um, agree is on this side. Okay, disagree is on this side. So this was the question that said that you're somewhat familiar with the doctrines of free will and predestination. If your card says agree, come over here. If it says disagree, you're on the other side. Okay, that's helpful, actually. That's helpful. Um, I wasn't sure. So most people then agree. That's great. Okay, I didn't even want to get into it if there was if there was enough people that disagreed, just because it's a can of worms. Okay, and then the other question was, I am somewhat interested in talking about predestination and free will, even if it takes us away from C.S. Lewis for a little bit. Okay, where do we fall on that one? Agree or disagree? Okay. One wow. lovely, honest soul. <laughs> okay, but most, it sounds like most people are interested. Number two. Yeah. 
Okay, you're hanging tight on the agree side. Yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, okay, that's good to know. We will open that can of worms in, in just a second. Okay, um, feel free to, remove, to move yourselves back so that you're nice and comfortable. Okay, so um, this is why we have to open this can of worms because Presbyterians generally hold to the doctrine of predestination. Okay, this is also called Calvinism. Um, although Jeff was quick to inform me last night that in the institutes, those thick institutes that Calvin wrote, uh, predestination gets a very small moment, and even Calvin said, we need to talk about this. Oh, Kate is holding up Calvin in the back. <laughs> in case there was any doubt where we stand, right? Um, uh, yeah, so, so and even Calvin said, this is a subject that we need to enter into with great humility, okay? So even though this is what he is best known for, even Calvin said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share what I believe, but, I, but this is something that, I'm, that, I'm, uh, that I hesitate to um, own with, you know, real authority, I guess. Um, this, this verse kind of sums up, uh, in a nutshell, um, some of the teachings in the Bible about predestination. For those whom God foreknew... Okay, he knew from the beginning of time that these were his children. For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Okay, that's the idea that before I was born, God knew that I would follow him, and he predestined on my soul this, um, this trajectory to be conformed to be more like Christ. Okay? Um, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. So that's why there was a moment when I was a junior in high school when God called me into a wholehearted faith. And those whom he called, he also justified. Okay, that's the moment when we pray for God's forgiveness and God God saves us from our sins, kind of a sinner's prayer. Okay, that's, that's what we call justification. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. When we die, we go to heaven. Okay, there isn't the word sanctification in this particular verse, but that's another important concept, the idea that after we are justified, after we are saved from our sins, then the rest of our lives are spent being made more and more like Christ. Okay, this is what pre... This is, this is the doctrine of predestination. Okay, so then I was like, all right, how am I going to get into this? And so I got into the book of confession, okay? This wow. is what I know. I know. Okay, so um, this, is what, this is what Presbyterians believe about free will, okay? And this actually was, was helpful to me. I was a little bit reluctant to admit it, but it, it was actually pretty helpful. Okay, so... Um, so a bunch of these, the confessions are basically times in history where a bunch of smart people got together and they said, let's write out really clearly what we believe. So this is what the second Helvetic confession, I forget when they came together, okay? But it's a good one, apparently. Um, this is what they said about free will, okay? So before the fall, Adam and Eve had free will. They were upright, okay? They, they, this was something called original righteousness. We hear a lot more about original sin, but before the fall, there was original righteousness. That means they were free to continue in goodness. What an amazing concept, right? They were free to continue in goodness. They had the power to decline evil, okay? But they were also free to do wrong. 
And we believe that when they disobeyed God, and they listened to the serpent, and they ate the fruit, they did wrong. Okay, so then what happened? After the fall, humans were no longer free to do good. Okay? Our natures were so contorted by the curse by sin that even though we are free to do bad, we are slaves to sin. Okay? Um, I remember last New Year's, I made the resolution to um, focus on goodness. I said, I'm really going to work on my virtues this year. I really need to. And so every day I would wake up and I would pray for God's help um, and I would pick a virtue. God, today I really want to be selfless with Jeff. I just want to give to Jeff. I want to really serve him today. And uh, without fail, by the end of the day, I had failed miserably. I'm not kidding. In setting out to do the very thing that I had, that I had set out to do. Okay? It, was, it was really depressing. Um, but what was wonderful about that is that actually it put me in a place of remembering that like, this, like, it's about God's goodness. Like, it's not about my goodness. It's not about me proving myself. I just need to rejoice that God loves me and that he has saved me and that he's going to help me. Okay? That's the idea that, that we are slaves to sin. Okay? Therefore, man does evil by his own free will. Okay, so all of the icky stuff we see in this world, that's because there's a whole lot of people choosing of their own accord to do evil. Okay, um, the, the theology stuff goes on, okay, but then there's a change that happens after regenerative grace, okay? We are free to either sin or not sin, okay? When we have resurrection power in us, like Jeff Sermon talked about, all of a sudden there's another option there, okay? It's not coming from our own human selves. It's because there is something else living inside of us, which if we turn towards, gives us the power to choose to do the right thing. Okay, suddenly there is supernatural power there. And I was thinking during the sermon this morning, it like was a light bulb for me of, of just like, wait a second, I sin all the time, yes. Okay, but, but in those moments, am I remembering that there is a power in me that is not my own? And there is a power in me that enables me to choose faith rather than fear. I have so many decisions and sins that are motivated by fear. What if I remember in that moment, I, I have another choice now. I am free. And I forget sometimes, I forget sometimes that I am no longer a slave to sin. Okay? There is a higher power in me now that I can listen to and that I can ask for help. Okay? So this freedom only comes through the grace of God working within us. Okay? And then in heaven... Our righteousness will be perfected. Our trust in God will be faultless. In the context where sin and the world are destroyed and our flesh is no more, we will be free to continue in goodness. We will be free to choose wrong anymore. Okay? In that way, we will now be slaves to Christ. Okay? We will be bound to what is only good. That's how we believe that heaven can, 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 we can still be free in heaven and yet there is no sin. Okay? Um, another way to think about it, okay, we've got free agency, and Russell Sherman used to be on the Legion of Boom, where I'm from, Seahawks, okay, now he's a free agent, I think. He's a troublemaker, but you gotta look. <laughs> okay, um, versus free will, okay, but free agency in this case is not like this guy, okay? Um, free agency is the idea that humans are free agents. They can choose what they want to do according to their inclinations. They are answerable to God and to the rest of humanity for these choices. Okay? That's why it appears as though at any given moment I can choose this or I can choose that. Okay? We have free agency. Okay? Free will is different. Okay? 
That's, that's the idea that we have the ability to choose any at all of the moral options offered in a given situation. Augustine taught that this freedom was lost in the fall. Okay? Adam and Eve had that freedom, that they could, they could they're in, in, a, in a host of moral options, they could choose whatever they wanted. Okay? Um, and he says, now we are in bondage to sin and we cannot be free except by the regeneration of God. Okay? Which is another way of saying kind of what we just said. Okay, final thoughts. Um, I know that the predestination idea, the idea that we, that God knows some people and calls some people and doesn't call others before they were born is troubling to me. Okay, I think it's troubling to a lot of people. Um, but something, these are, these are some thoughts that have helped me kind of wrap my head around it. Um, the time aspect... If, you, if we go back to these, um, these earlier slides, okay? These are all time-stamped, right? These are all moments in history, okay? God is outside of time, okay? Um, for God, everything is now. He is infinite and omnipresent. There was no moment of conversion for him. Everything is always now, okay? So when, um, when God created the world, the moment of my birth... The moment of my conversion, the moment of my death, that was all, he saw all of it, okay? He saw all of it in one great big picture, okay? So it's not as though um, God saw, hmm, you know, who's, who's going who's gonna to pick me at this point? Who's gonna, who do I like the best, okay? There's this, there's this weird fusion, which is hard to wrap our minds around, that, that there was, that God knew even before I lived, what my story would be, what my heart's desire would be, what my orientation would be towards him, okay? That doesn't mean that I, that God saved me because of my goodness, but it does mean that God saw all of it at once. I hope this is making sense, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Susie. I don't know if he talked about it as being like an author mm. who writes a book. Yes. And they know the whole story and yeah. what the character is going to end up. So the mm-hmm. author's outside of time and they yeah. can say, this, this at the starting... He knows me, so he can say that person's going to do this. That's all. That's a great analogy. Yeah. Okay. Um, my, I, I told you guys that I used to be a high school teacher um, at a Christian school, and so we would talk about this. And um, the kids would always get up in arms about free will and predestination. We have lots of debates about it. And, um, and I remember one of my one of my seniors, this awesome, smart girl who's still awesome, still smart, Amanda Rabble. Um, she, she wrote an unusual essay. She didn't defend either that free will is it or that uh, predestination is it. She said, you know what? The Bible provides so much in support of either belief that God deliberately left this question unanswered. And the reason that he left the question unanswered is, so, is because if we, if we said um, humans... Have only have free will. We choose if we believe in Jesus. We are the ones that are responsible for our own salvation. That completely minds, undermines the sovereignty of God. Okay? That means that we have all the power and God has none. Okay? On the other hand, if we say predestination is the whole thing, everything is fated, everything is predetermined, well, that completely denies us the responsibility to spread the good news. And we know that that's really important to Jesus, right? That was his final command to his disciples, is go tell people about me. 
Okay? John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Okay? He desires that none should perish. These are scriptures. Okay? So she said the fact that we are somewhere in between means that we hold these things in tension. We trust in the sovereignty of God. We understand that we are personally responsible as well. Okay? I thought that was awesome. Um, last analogy is a little, it's like a, a story that I came up with. It's kind of long. I don't know if I want to say it. Um, maybe we'll come back to it if there's time. It's the Puzzle Man story. Yes. Um, I just have a quick thing to say. Yeah. So, uh, basically, um, you know, when people ask things like, why does it happen to me? That, uh, I believe that God, you know, he's, you know, people complain about the world, how it is, but, um, why would God let this happen? But I believe that it's not God. He's not letting it happen, but he is, he's giving us a free will to choose between him or the devil. Mm-hmm. And this is the devil's plan. So mm-hmm. he's, it's not like he just, he's watching, but mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing and reason. Mm-hmm. So at the end of everything, when he, the world is over, mm-hmm. who are you going to mm-hmm. choose? Mm-hmm. The devil or God? Yeah. Yeah. I think I agree with you. Yeah, Pauline. I just had a thought. If he, if his only, the only way we could get to him was because of predestination, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would be discouraged because mm-hmm. they would think, yeah. you know, I can't do that. It's yeah. impossible. Mm-hmm. God doesn't want me or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's good that he has. <laughs> yeah, that there's. That we have two uh, philosophies. I think so too. Theology. Yeah. When I think um, we, we see this causing problems in the New Testament, when um, all, of the, all of the Jewish leaders felt very, very confident about who was in and who was out, okay? And, um, and because of that, there was a lot of discrimination, right? We, hear, we heard about that in the story of, this, of this poor woman. There were different sects of, um, yeah, of believers. And Jesus kind of threw, blew all that up, right? When he started having dinner with the tax collectors and, um, you know, caring for these prostitutes and uh, kind of upending, upending the story. And that's a good reminder for us. Uh, we call that the visible versus the invisible church, okay? We don't know. We don't know who, who has... That's why if we have that, whosoever will. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's keep going. Um, okay, so back to your Christianity. Any other questions before we, we move on from this question of predestination and free will? Yeah, free. I just wanted to like, share what I'm thinking when you're talking about this because he does allow us to choose, but he also knows us before we're born mm-hmm. because he took time to create us. And he even says that he knows like how many hairs we have in our head. So if he knows all this stuff, mm-hmm. and obviously these things that we're going through are things that we can also handle, mm-hmm. And it doesn't always feel like that. Um, but I, I agree with that. Yeah. And I, you know, in the same way that we know our kids, you know, we can anticipate how they might respond. He knows us so much more deeply, so much more profoundly. Yeah, Anne. Um, something just occurred to me. I'm very on the predestination side, and I feel very safe and comforted by that. Yeah. But one thing I think is kind of like what you said last, or what he said last week about if we say, if we ask the question, is life meaningless? Mm-hmm. 
we can't ask that question unless there's meaning. Mm. And if we are considering, am I predestined? Do I really love God? Mm. And really choose me? Yeah. Then, yeah. He did. Well, <laughs> that's, yeah. You know, that's, or not, not he did, but that's that points to his his good work. Yeah. Uh, Jeff is also a, a big predestination guy, um, and he shared that same comfort with me as we were talking about this last night. He said, you know, when I was a teenager, I, I must have prayed the prayer of salvation like six different times because I was always like, did I mean it enough? Like, was, yeah. what, did I have enough faith in it? I really did. <laughs> yeah, and he said that, that uh, like being able to trust in God's sovereignty actually gives him so much comfort um, because he's able to trust that he is in the Lord's hands. Um, so I think there is a real comfort. Yeah. So, no. Just question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So back, back to C.S. Lewis's live argument. Okay. Um, so he says, free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. Okay. Um, he says, uh, a, a world of robots of creatures that work like machines would hardly be worth creating. The happiness which God designs for his higher creatures is the happiness of being freely, voluntarily united to him and to each other in an ecstasy of love and delight, compared with which the most rapturous love between a man and a woman on this earth is mere milk and water. For that, they must be free. Of course, God knew what would happen if they used their freedom the wrong way. Apparently, he thought it worth the risk. Okay. And for me, the best analogy for that is, is making the decision to have children, okay? We, we, we decide to have children knowing that they will keep us up at night, knowing that they will cry and that they will not allow us to comfort them sometimes, knowing that they will be um, sassy and snarky and rebellious maybe, right? Okay? I don't, I disagree with what he's saying. God thinks it's worth the risk. I don't think there's any risk. I don't think he's surprised by anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he—I think his folksy way of speaking sometimes makes theological implications that I don't know if he necessarily is also. Yeah. Okay. But in the same way that that we as parents know that we can expect uh, parenthood to be challenging and yet full of love and full of these meaningful moments that are worth the effort. Okay? God knows that even though I know that this will happen, I know that Adam and Eve will rebel against me, I am going to partner with them through this long journey anyway. I mean, that's love, right? How that's pretty incredible. Um, okay, so he says, um, so uh, when, when we have understood about free will, we shall see how silly it is to ask, as somebody once asked me, why did God make a creature of such rotten stuff that it went wrong? Well, the better stuff a creature is made of, the cleverer and stronger and freer it is, then the better it will be if it goes right, but also the worse it will be if it goes wrong. Okay? A cow cannot be very good or very bad. Okay? Not a whole lot of faculties there. Okay? Um, a dog can be both better and worse. Okay? Lassie or hooch. Uh, a child better or worse still. Okay? And let's be honest, okay, most of our children fall on both sides of the spectrum all the time. Okay? Uh, an ordinary man uh, still more so. Okay? Uh, a person of genius, still more so. A superhuman spirit, best 
or worst of all. Okay? So then we have the question, well, so then how did the dark power go wrong? If he was living in paradise, if he was with God, how on earth could he have gone so wrong? Yeah, breathe. Because he started envying God and he wanted all the glory for him. Yes. C.S. Lewis says, the moment you have a self at all, there is a possibility of putting yourself first. Wanting to be the center. Wanting to be God, in fact. That was the sin of Satan, and that was the sin he taught the human race. Okay? He says, what Satan put into the heads of our remote ancestors was the idea that they could be like gods. Okay? They could set up on their own as if they had created themselves, be their own masters, invent some sort of happiness for themselves outside God, apart from God. And out of that hopeless attempt has come nearly all that we call human history. Money, poverty, okay, this is, these are factories in Bangladesh, okay, um, which is, which is, uh, form of injustice, the factory makers, garment makers, that's something that I think about a lot. Um, uh, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empires, slavery, okay? Um, we can also think of these warlords, okay? This is uh, the cartel guy, Guzman, Chapo, okay? Um, Jeffrey Epstein, okay? These are guys that kind of wanted to just be above the law, they were willing to subject other people to commit terrible violence against other people because they wanted to be like gods, okay? It's the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. He says, that doesn't work, okay? That's not going to succeed. God made us. He invented us. I wish Lee was here so she could talk about her chuckle that um, she had when we had this slide. Um, he said he invented us as a man invents an engine, and, and, and God is our gas. Okay? Or in, in British, it's all petrol. Okay? <laughs> um, he designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it's just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself, because it is not there. There is no such thing. You know, it's interesting, I, for, my, for my job, I am a ghostwriter, so I'm always working with, um, with these very, very smart, awesome people who are teaching me things, and then I'm writing their books for them. So I, I'm, I get to learn from you all the time. Multiple secular authors have, have come to me with research about how spirituality um, makes for healthier, more fulfilled human beings, okay? And I'm like, spirituality, like a belief in God. And they're like, oh, you know, any, any belief in something outside yourself, you know? And I'm like, I'm okay, I will write that down, okay? Um, but I mean, these, these are people that don't necessarily prescribe to any sort of religion, but, and yet they recognize that the human being is truly, does, that we are, we are healthier people um, with, with spirituality in our lives, okay? Um, so, despite all our efforts to build a more just society, so we, we've been trying to, you know, we've, terrific energy is expended. Civilizations are built up, excellent institutions devised, but each time something goes wrong. Some fatal flaw always brings the selfish and cruel people to the top, and it all slides back down into misery and ruin. Okay? They're trying to run it on the wrong juice. That is what Satan has done to us humans. So how does God respond? So, God left us conscience the moral law, okay? He sent us good dreams, and he describes this as the, what is he, 
He says, um, uh, those queer stories scattered all through the heathen religions about a God who dies and comes to life again and by his death has somehow given new life to men. Okay? We see those, I think those, those good dreams are now playing out in cinema. Okay? Because the hero always is self-sacrificing and, and often comes back from near death. Okay? Like every Marvel movie is like that, right? Okay? Um, we're reading the Harry Potter girl books with our, with our girls right now. And um, that's controversial because it's witches and wizards. And I'm sorry, we can talk about it afterwards if you want. Okay, but one of the reasons why I don't have a problem with this is because at the end of it's a there's a resurrection narrative. It's good versus evil. Harry ends up. Can can I share a plot spoiler? <laughs> there's self-sacrifice that's part of the story. Okay, there's I mean it's it's there's amazing parallels. Um, with the Christ, I mean, this is the narrative that our souls long for, that we recreate all the time, okay? These good dreams. And then he selected one particular people and spent several centuries hammering into their heads the sort of God he was, that there was only one of him, and that he cared about right conduct. Those were the Jews. That's the story of the Old Testament, okay? This is how God responded. Then something shocking happens, okay? <laughs> Among this Jewish people group, there suddenly turns up a man who goes about talking as if he was God. He claims to forgive sins. Okay? Now, if I did, let's say that Zan and I, after this class, we go up, get in our cars, we start driving away, and I, and I bump into her. Okay? And I, and I get out of the car. Oh, oh my gosh, Zan, I can't believe I did that. And then, and then Anne stands up and she says, it's all, it's all right. I forgive Greta. <laughs> okay. That would not make sense, right? Okay, we would start kind of questioning what's going on with Okay, that she would think she has the authority to forgive my sins, even though I'm the one that sinned again. You know, it seems like Zan should be the one to say I forgive you, okay? But Jesus, um, he implied that he had the power to do this, even if he wasn't directly involved. He acted as though he was the party that was chiefly offended okay now if a pantheist said this pantheists are people that believe that god is in everything okay we are all gods in our own right no big deal okay but jesus was a jew what is the first commandment anyone pop quiz there are no other gods before me okay that is the that is the first commandment and here comes this jewish man saying i am god Okay? He calls himself over and over, I am, I am. He was kind of coded at the beginning of his ministry because he knew that once he put this out front and center, he was going to be crucified, and that's exactly what happened. Okay? Um, but in his trial, he repeats this phrase, I am Yahweh. Okay? Um, that is the name of, of the Jehovah God all throughout the Old Testament, the creator of the world. He says, before he, this was a very controversial moment, um, before... What was it before the temple existed? I am before, before Abraham. Abraham. Thank you, thank you. Okay, before Abraham was, I am. Okay, so that's problematic unless he's actually God. Okay, unless the speaker is God, this is so preposterous as to be comic. Yet this is what Jesus did. He told people that their sins were forgiven and never waited to consult all the other people whom their sins had undoubtedly injured. He unhesitating beha unhesitatingly behaved. As if, he would, as if he was the party chiefly concerned, okay? So, um, these, uh, he says, uh, this, this either, no, let me stick with this argument. 
Okay. Um, uh, this makes sense only if he really was the God whose laws are broken and whose love is wounded in every sin. Okay? In the mouth of any speaker who is not God, these words would imply what I can only regard as silliness and conceit unrivaled by any other character in history. Okay? Yet, even his enemies, when they read the Gospels, do not usually get the impression of silliness and conceit. Still less do unprejudiced readers. Christ says that he is humble and meek, and we believe him. Not noticing that if he were merely a man, humility and meekness are the very last characteristics we could attribute to some of his saints. Right? Okay? And he says, I'm trying to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. Okay? That's probably the most common thing people in our culture would say about Jesus, right? I think he was a great teacher. Good, good wisdom. Wasn't God. Okay? He says he didn't really leave that option available to us. Okay? A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd either be a lunatic uh, on a level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. Okay? You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, which was what they did. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. Those are the only options we have available when deciding what we think about Jesus. Okay? We're going to get into that in two weeks. Next week we have off. In two weeks we're going to talk about Jesus further. Yeah, Bree. Or you can also deny his existence. That's harder because there's enough historical archaeological evidence yeah. that affirms he was a historical person in it's just sad because a lot of people don't yeah 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 but there is there's um, there's a fair amount of evidence that he was a real person okay okay um we're going to get into our discussion time we've got 15 minutes so let's scurry back we're going to pick up at um, question three statement three there we go. Okay, all right. Everything that happens in this world is aligned with God's will. Please go where your survey sheet tells you to go. Once again, this is agree, and this is disagree. Okay. Oh, right. I love it when we are split. Okay, why would someone agree with this? Why would someone disagree with this? Feel free to represent your survey sheet or your own opinion. And when I first was like thinking about checking the box, it was a struggle because it's like, well, he's in control of everything. Yeah. But everything that happens is good. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say the word align is kind of crucial. It is crucial. Yeah. So he can allow something that not in his will, but he allows it. So it's in alignment. Yeah. Okay. You think of like Judas. Judas. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't God. Wasn't like I hope my plan's gonna work, and then this man betrays me. Yeah. It was his will that that happened, even though it was evil. 
Yeah. And it doesn't mean that God is evil. It I just liked. means that his will is done. You say, thy will be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I yeah. like to think it was part of his plan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because he knew what would happen after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus says, it was for this reason that I came. Right. It was, it was for this reason. Right. And John, yeah. the language in John is so intentional about showing that, that Jesus gave himself up. Even in the last moment, mm-hmm. he gave up his spirit. It doesn't say he died. It doesn't say he expired. It says he gave it up. Okay? Yeah, Bogart. And then Valerie, I see you. Thinking about the fall, uh, the flood. Okay. When Noah was saved with his family, but it, it hurt in God's heart. Yes, yes. Saving this flood. People were uh, making a name for themselves. Right. Yeah. And I believe that was against God's will. There are many, many, many moments in the Bible where we see God be grieved over the choices that his people, his beloved people, make. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Valerie. Like the two will do, you said, I, I didn't get to. Oh, yeah. It's not aligned with his perfect will. It falls under his permissive will. Not that God's willing that a serial killer goes and kills all yes. his children. Yeah. But if he wiped out that serial killer, he would have to wipe us all out because we're all sinners before mm-hmm. God. So that permissive will is his great area. Yeah. Where we can be forgiven if we repent or not. Yeah. Okay. So the perfect will versus the permissive will. Okay. I think if and yeah, on the on the PowerPoint it was the preceptive, God's precepts versus God's decrees, what he allows to happen. Um, I think that's a really helpful distinction, okay? Because I can't possibly look at an event like Sandy Hook and say, God wanted that to happen. Okay? I think God was desperately grief stricken over that, but God allowed it to happen. Okay, everything that does happen, God allows to happen. But um if you can think of, you know, and there's, and there's the story of, of Joseph, right? His, his brothers being cruel to him, throwing him down the, the, the cistern, selling him into slavery. Then he's thrown into prison. He languishes there for decades, okay? Well, actually, I don't know exactly how long. A long time, okay? And yet at the end of his story, he says, everything that you meant for harm, God knew he was going to work for good. Okay, and that's the promise of 828, that even though these awful things may happen, when we turn towards God, he can transform anything into good if we are giving it to him. Okay? But otherwise, I don't think we can look at this. I think if we say that everything, every bad thing that happens is because God is pushing his thumb into all those different situations, that's a, that's a scary impression of, of God, I think. Um, yeah. What did you say? say God turned it for good. It said God meant it for good. God meant it for good. So yeah. how do you understand that it was God's will that that... His permissive he didn't, will? It didn't just happen and well. he turned it into good. Mm-hmm. That was... He meant it. This is just how I believe. Yeah. He's <laughs> but, yeah. But well, and again, if, if God sees all time, right? Satan is not omniscient. God is omniscient, okay? Satan gets up to his devices. He comes up with all these great ideas of how he's going to mess us up. And God just kind of stands back. You go right ahead. 
I am going, I intend this for good, I mean this for good, I will allow you to work in this way because you don't get the last word. Yeah, breathe. Because like you said, at the end, it's just for his glory. So he allows us to deal with this um, tribulation that the devil tries to throw at us. Because if we do stick with him and follow his will, then it's for his glory. Yeah. 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 Uh, Valerie, I think you had another. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say it's, it's there because he allows free will. Mm-hmm. And free will is part of sin. So that's why it's not about God doing it. Free will is. Right, and even the even the Presbyterian stance, which holds to the doctrine of predestination, says that we have the freedom to do evil. Okay, that we have that we have that freedom, and that's why there is evil in the world. Yeah, T. Oh, I was just going to say that um, I I believe that, like I said, God gave us um, the to choose, and um, all this stuff that's happening in the world. You know, I feel like he can't stop everything. He can, but he's not stopping everything from happening bad because he's given us a choice. So if I choose, if I choose to uh, kill somebody, then I go against his commandment. And so, of course, I'm, I'm a sinner already anyways. But you know how miracles happen? And I feel like the ones that are trying to go to God and follow him and spread his word, miracles happen to them. I just, I'm, and it's like people, because you know everybody wants God to do something for them, mm-hmm. and it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, sometimes it happens to mm-hmm. other people. I just feel like um, God does that for a reason. Like He knows everything that's going to happen, and He's just allowing it because at the end of the day, He wants you to choose, have the freedom to choose Him without it being forced. Hmm. When I, I think about, um, against a, a helpful way for me to understand this idea that God is sovereign, um, and yet I seem to be experiencing this ability to choose, is again thinking about the parent-child relationship. Okay? I know my children well enough that I can predict um, which way they're going to go. Okay? I also have moments where my children are clamoring for something. I need this! You know, and I'm like, no, you don't. Okay, <laughs> Mom, I need you to carry me. I'm like, I need you to clean up the room. And I'm like, no, you don't. Okay, you need to clean up the room. Okay, and that's a moment of pain for them. But I know what they're capable of. I know how I want them to grow. And so I'm going to give some tough love in some of these moments because I have the ability to see the growth that I am going to push them towards. Okay, so there's there's some there is some volition. There is some will acting on their own. But there's also a, a, an expansive knowledge and some authority to determine what I will allow to happen to them and what I want. Okay. Now God is omniscient. He's omnipresent. He has He has all power. Okay. But I think in some ways He does. He will allow us to take one row or, or one way, um, or He will deny some prayers um, because He knows the growth that needs to happen. That's kind of what today's sermon was about, too. Um, Monique. I was just thinking of Joel. Does that fit in here at all with regards to? Yeah, I think so. I th- yeah, in Job, there's there's this crazy opening story of um, of Satan and God having a conversation. Okay, Job is one of it's probably the oldest book of the Bible. Okay, it's very very old. And in this strange conversation, God says to Satan, "Look at my servant Job. He is amazing." And Satan's like, "He's only amazing because you're blessing him." 
you know, if you let me, if you let me curse him and hurt him, he wouldn't praise you at all. And God is like, go right ahead, okay? And then we get the story of anguish, okay, of successive anguishes, right? And um, and most of the book is Job's friends making lousy attempts to comfort and advise him. And, um, and, and Job saying, I wish I was never born. I really wish God would just squish me like a bug right now, okay? And then out of the end of that, um, God shows up. God doesn't give him a why. He doesn't give him an explanation for what happened. He doesn't say, well, Satan and I were arguing. He doesn't say, well, actually, this story is going to be written down. It's going to encourage a lot of people for generations to come. Okay? He, um, he says, I am God. I am powerful. Were you there when I filled the storehouses with snow? Were you there when I placed the, scar- the stars in the sky? No. Okay. And sometimes, again, on, on a, a much more limited view, we parents say, you just got to trust me on this. Okay. I can't explain this all to you right now, but you've got to trust that I love you and I have what's best for you. Okay? And then God works Job's story for good. That doesn't mean he wasn't changed by that grief. Okay? He was probably a very, very different man after that. But he does, he's restored to blessing. Hadassah. When, when we read the Bible, we, the whole Bible, we see that God has a plan. Mm-hmm. Like the whole humanity beginning to end. So everything that has happened mm-hmm. and has been happening mm-hmm. is all part of a plan. Mm-hmm. So why should I question? Yeah. It's, it's all there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, even in my point of view, it's bad. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. And how amazing. Like, um, the, the deacons and the elders of the church were asked to write devotions on the subject of lament. Um, and it's amazing how many spots in the Bible feature people saying, God, where are you? God, I am in, I am in so much pain. You have done this to me. Okay, I, the passage that I wrote on was from Jeremiah, uh, or from Lamentations. And Jeremiah, he, he can't even talk to God. He's speaking about God as though he's his enemy. He's saying he did this, okay? He has done this, and he has done this, and he's done this. He is brutal towards God, okay? And yet, because of this huge history of Israel's rebellion and God chasing after them, of these stories of, of God allowing consequences to hit in pretty harsh ways because of disobedience, all of these are stories that teach us about his love for us and about his pursuit of us and about the consequences of us trying to live a life apart from God. You're absolutely right. It's all there. Every bit of it, every rebellion becomes part of this story that teaches us how God does not leave us alone in our pain. He is always working to save us. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, Julie. I heard about this Then we're gonna suffer the consequences and be slaves to Satan. We think we're having free will to choose Satan, and we're choosing all these things, but we really don't. And if we choose God, then that we will feel completely whole and have no disturbance in our life, no matter what is happening around us. <laughs> and so, if we feel disturbed with this concept, we feel any disturbance about whatever is happening around is because we're not trusting God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. 
Yeah. Does that fit in here at all, or is that way off? I think I think there are a lot. There are many people that hold that view. Um, there, you know, I think in the in the PowerPoint, that's the idea that um, that Adam and Eve had that free will, but then when they plunged our world into the post, you know, the, like the cursed world, um, we do not we do not have that ability to choose. We only have the ability to choose sin. Okay, but by God's grace. He calls us into a relationship with himself only through the grace of God. And it is by grace you have been saved, okay? And it is not by yourself, lest no person, person should boast, okay? I know that a lie that Satan uses with me a lot is that it all depends on me, okay? I have to be the one to fix my situation. It depends on my ability to control, and that is, that is a paralyzing place to be. It feels like slavery. I guess I shouldn't say that. I've never been a real slave. It feels like bondage. Okay? When I can remember that it doesn't all depend on me. It depends on God and he is good and he loves me. Then there is freedom in that. Valerie, I saw you back there. When I, I ran it over again because I was really upset with God at the time. Why do you allow this sin in the world? And it's because he didn't make us to be heaven. I mean, originally, but it's not heaven. So my hope is there will be a heaven, and there won't be any more sin. Mm -hmm. But until then, I I have to keep my eyes on him, kind of like what he said when, uh, I don't know, Peter or one of them was saying, well, look at him, what about him? And mm -hmm. Jesus right. said, no, you, you look at me. What is that to you? You follow me. So, and then Joe, no matter what it is, I need to be trusting him as the sin uh, gets worse and worse because as the world moves away from him, we're seeing more like towards the revelation coming. Yeah. So I need to be trusting. Yeah. And what's I mean, what's beautiful about Job is that he doesn't curse God. His wife tells him curse God and die. Mm -hmm. Like he won't. He continues. He I love this. He continues to dialogue with God. He rails against God. He is angry and upset with God, but he keeps the dialogue going. And that tells me it's okay to be honest with God. We need to be honest because He made us with the Even Jesus got upset for the good and that reason. God is free with sin, so who am I to think that I'm not going to be free by it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and what's beautiful is that there is there is so much scripture that attests to the freedom we have to be honest with God, to pour out our hearts to Him. He knows it all anyway. He knows what's in our hearts. He knows what's in our minds. When we put it in the light. We give them an opportunity to respond. And that's a really beautiful thing. You guys, we're at time. We obviously didn't get very far. But this is a really good discussion. I hope that it was encouraging. Um, one last disclaimer on this subject of predestination and free will. So much ink has been spilled by so many brilliant people on this topic. I want to remind us, again, this is, this is a mysterious thing. We need to approach it with tremendous humility. I think, it is, I think this is a, a non-essential tenet of Christianity. Okay? You can fall on either side of the spectrum and still trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Um, but it is, it, is a, it is a mysterious thing. I think it's an important issue to discuss. I'm thankful we, we engage with it. But just keep that in mind as we go from here. Let me pray for us. Um, Lord God. We ask you for wisdom. Um, we ask you for uh, for your help in turning towards you. Um, thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you that you 
invite us into community with you, uh, that you invite us to live into your resurrection, that you work your regenerative grace in us, just like Jesus made that little girl rise from the dead, just like he restored the bleeding woman who was rejected and alone. You do not leave us alone, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being our Lord. Help us to trust in you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.